Hi, I'm Anita Adalja, the Food Safety Project Manager of the National Young Farmers Coalition. The coalition is a national advocacy network of farmers, ranchers, and land workers fighting for the future of agriculture. We work to change policy, build networks, and provide business services to ensure all farmers have the chance to succeed. And I'm Billy Mitchell of the National Farmers Union, a membership-based organization that advocates for farmers, ranchers, fishers, and their communities through education, cooperation, and legislation. This podcast series you're listening to is an introduction to the Young Farmer's Guide to Writing a Food Safety Plan. We will be featuring farmers sharing stories of best practices that have improved their farm and impacted their food safety planning along the way. You might be wondering why we think this series and food safety plan guide are important. Well, we heard from farmers that writing a food safety plan can be tricky for a number of reasons. In fact, in a recent survey of farmers on Instagram, we found that 62% have started and stopped writing a food safety plan two to three times out of frustration. Our hope is that these recordings and accompanying guide will be a resource that can help us all get through the process. Thanks for joining us and happy listening. This section of the guide is called goal setting. Setting goals of what you want to get out of your food safety plan can help you stay on track and avoid feeling overwhelmed. It's easy to get caught up in a spiral of writing unnecessary SOPs or policies or feeling like you need to write down every aspect of your farming operation. It can feel never ending. Identifying and writing out your goals and plans for your food safety plan will help you stay focused and respond to the needs of your farm as they come up. A food safety plan is a living document and can always be updated as you go along and things shift on your farm. It's meant to be dynamic, so don't feel like you have to cover everything or anticipated changes to your farms that haven't happened yet. Another important step is to write out how you describe your farm. It's good practice for you, a great resource for current and future employees, and can be helpful to share with any interested customers. This is a place to share the why of why you are farming. This will be the backbone of your food safety practices, building a strong food safety culture on your farm. One of my farm heroes, Sarah Cookbear of Big Branch Valley Farms, once told me that they farm because they're able to work outside in harmony with nature, in a profession that allows them to also engage their family and friends. They get to produce something that they are proud of, improving people's access to healthy food grown responsibly. That is an amazing reason to farm. If an employee asks you why you clean and sanitize bins, one of your answers might be that on our farm, we do it to help us produce something we are proud of, engaging with our family and friends to provide something healthy for the people we feed. These ideas will help guide your food safety work, help you build out your employee manual and any other document that you share. Adding to this, you might wanna just write out what your farm is, four acres of veggies, an egg operation that supports your fruit hobby, a CSA operation, and add as much or as little detail as you, your employees, and your community need. Now, let's hear from Kelly and Julia about what they have to say about this topic. What we wanna talk to you about today is kind of you're thinking around like how you imagine food safety on your farm, develop that culture of food safety on your farm, um, kind of set goals for yourself and your crew and your team team members, and like how you've set food safety goals for yourself and different people on your farm. But yeah, so to start, could you say your name, where you're farming um, and what you grow? 
My name is Kelly Skillingstead, and I am a worker owner at Long Hearing Farm. We grow mixed vegetables on about four acres of land on Soxhawatl and Upper Skagit lands, also known as Rockport, Washington. And where do you sell your produce at the farm? The backbone of our business is our FarmShare CSA. We've got 61 members this season, and we also have accounts with the local co-op in Mount Vernon, as well as a couple of accounts with small businesses, local schools, and food banks, as well as um, the Upper Skagit Tribe and a small farm stand in Darrington. Can you describe the makeup of your farm? Like who works on the farm and that right. kind of information? So our farm, uh, I am a worker owner with my farm partner, Elizabeth Bragg, and her partner, Reed, is also a huge help in the beginning and end of season with, with tractor work. So we kind of call ourselves a 2.5 co-op, worker owner co-op. And this is our first season with employees. So we've got uh, around the equivalent of two full-time folks working for us spread out among four to five part-time people. And um, we're kind of picking up the legacy of Ann Schwartz, who was the owner of Blue Heron Farm and has been an organic farmer for the last 40 years. So we got to move into the fields she has been stewarding for the last 40 years and kind of pick up the torch and keep carrying, carrying that forward. So do you have a food safety plan? Have you written a food safety plan on your farm? Food safety was a conversation that we started having this last winter. And um, it was our relationship, I think, to National Young Farmers and the emails that we get from y'all that kind of spurred, I think, kind of starting to think about that a little bit more. And we are in the process of writing it. We have the bones put together, but this was the first season where we were really trying to move it into practice. And so I would say that because putting things on paper versus putting them in practice can be two very different worlds that there will probably be a lot of editing that happens this fall and winter <laughs> based on what actually happens with real people in real time. Kind of along those lines, what, what would you say is like your, what's guiding you towards wanting to practice like food safety on your farm? There are a couple different reasons why we started looking at food safety more closely. Um, I'd say one is we want to know what we're required to do as a farm and as a business. We want to make sure that we are in alignment with what's expected of us as a small business. And it's really complicated to know what is and is not actually required and what is um, a guideline or, or, or being more asked as a um, recommendation. And so we wanted to get more expert advice on what are we actually required to do as a small business and how can we make sure that we're holding ourselves to the highest standard. And the other thing I think that we've been thinking a lot about is just picking our heads up and looking around at the world, seeing that there are so many California farmers that have their eye on Washington, which is where we're located, and that they're going to be moving north. And how do we continue to make ourselves competitive in a market that's going to continue to change around us? And we think that having um, a food safety plan that can lead us towards maybe being certified uh, for GAP in the future 
is one of those ways that we can continue to make ourselves competitive with different school accounts in a small community. Something that we found in a survey that Young Farmers did with farmers is that 60, it's like over 60% of farmers have started and stopped a food safety plan two to three times in their farming career. Mm -hmm. And something that you said about, you know, it's going to look different in practice versus paper. Can you kind of, can we dig a little deeper in that? And like, how do you ensure, yeah, that you can stick to a plan or what steps are you taking to make sure that it like reflects reality? What does that look like? That's a wild statistic. I love that. I think that when I first started looking at food safety, I was in the food safety writing class with Billy and Kara, and we got emailed that um, beautiful, huge, very long document that just had all of these SOPs in it. And my brain as a person who likes to be good at whatever I do and is kind of a perfectionist just started like banging them out, like writing SOPs, copy, paste, adapt kind of like robot mode almost in the peak of winter and I got I don't know 20 25 SOP I had spreadsheets I had it all written down and um, then I realized that I didn't actually want to go back and read any of what I had written and it wasn't accessible for any of the folks that we were going to be hiring on our crew and it kind of like stopped me in my tracks of who am I writing this for And what's the actual goal behind having a food safety plan? Is it for me to get my brain organized and just kind of have that written down so that my farm partner and I have an easier language to share with one another? Is this a document that I actually wanna be able to print pages out and have it in a binder for my employees to look at? Are those two documents the same? Are they different? Do I change how I'm writing it? the goal of why I'm actually putting energy and attention into this shifts. And so I think that there was something about the way the language was presented that I felt like I had to do a lot of translating to make it make sense for me and to make sure that the language was something that like I could understand what we were doing and why we were doing it. And I think that that's because food safety comes from a place, it doesn't just come in a vacuum and it's language that's handed to us from an outside source. And I think something that's really important for us as a farm is to do kind of that translation of here's this language that we've been handed and how do we actually make it language that makes sense for how we move through our day. Um, And I think that the greatest example that I bumped into while I was writing the food safety plan was this one SOP standard operating procedure that said um, was the pre-harvest assessment. And it talked all about you do a pre-harvest assessment. And in my head, I was like, what? A pre-harvest assessment? Sounds so fancy. Sounds so official. And then when I really actually sat down and started thinking about like, what the heck is a pre-harvest assessment? It kind of like clicked in my brain like, oh, that just means like walking around and looking at the vegetables before you start harvesting them. Like, are you paying attention to what you're doing? And are you making sure that you have food that you want people to be eating? Are you paying attention? And I think that was kind of the, the SOP that tipped me over the edge of like, okay, I need to completely rethink how am I writing this? And 
who's it for and does it make sense to me so that I can communicate it to my employees? Because that's the whole point. And um, so yeah, the pre-harvest assessment language didn't make it into our final <laughs> food safety plan because that's not language that I'm ever gonna use out in the field with any of my employees that are out there in the morning listening to birdsong and harvesting vegetables. Beyond like having a plan or SOPs, what are like some practices or what is the practice with your crew? I know you just hired some new folks on the farm this year. Like how do you kind of present food safety to them or um, kind of the values of the farm as it relates to that? I think we're still learning a lot about what role food safety plays on the farm and, and um, how we as a business want to be in relationship to it one of our entry points with it has been from a place of curiosity of we're learning what the practices we wanna be embodying are. And if you see something that feels like it's out of alignment with that, then we'd love for you to be in conversation with us. And um, one of the folks that's working for us this year is uh, also a nurse. And so her level of attention to detail and seeing the gaps is really, really high. And so we've been learning a lot from her. And I think having a culture of curiosity rather than rigidity will be really helpful. And the goal is to feed folks food that won't make them sick. The goal is to have a high level of care and attention so that we make sure that the intimate act of feeding people is something that we're treating with a lot of care. And if we all are paying attention in that way, then hopefully we're, we'll be meeting that goal. Earlier in the conversation, you had said something around the long lines of you wanted to write a food safety plan so that, or you want to be aware of the expectations on you for a buyer or a regulatory agency, I guess. But I would love to know just what are your expectations for yourself as a farmer? Hmm. I think that that's what this season is teaching us. And um, we have high standards for sure. And we wanna make sure that we don't take lightly the very intimate act of feeding people. Um, people are, are taking the things that we touch with our hands into their bodies. And I never want to, to think of that, even if I'm in a hurried state, even if there's a million things that need to get done in the day, um, from a place that not is not of utmost care and attention. And so I think that food safety for me isn't about like necessarily what we're writing down in the plan and what we're writing down, but it's how are we holding ourselves accountable to ourselves and what is the culture that we're creating and, and how are we communicating that so that we can actually move that from words into practice. And I think because we are a young farm, this is only our third season, um, we're still finding our way within all of that. We can have big lofty ideas of what we wanna do in this world, but actually moving those into the small daily practices is a constant journey. And I think that there will always be room for adapting and learning and growing and, and doing better. And you had mentioned that, I don't wanna say that y'all are inheriting this farm, but you're, you're stewarding land of a farmer that had been farming for a long time before you. And they were certainly farming before there was like a gap audit yeah. or the produce safety rule. Mm -hmm. Are there any things that 
you've had to teach that farmer or explain to them just about this new landscape? Are there any questions or things they're surprised about, about produce safety? Well, our mentor is a total badass. So she's definitely always like paying attention to the landscape of farming at all times. But you're right, when I sit down and talk with her, she can remember when food safety legislation came through and like when that started within her career and, and how she had to adapt as a business. And because the infrastructure here is 40 years old and, and has been many through many iterations, I think that it can be helpful to have fresh eyes on how to do things, tweak thing, this thing here, move this thing slightly over there. Um, and that's something that I love about what we get to do here is we get to be in this kind of reciprocal relationship of learning with our mentors. They have so much to teach us and we also have so much to teach them. And I think it creates a really beautiful synergy of energy that we all kind of get to learn together. And we also share the space with folks that live there. And so I think that as we learn more about what is and is not food safe, what is and is not supposed to be happening on what our idea, our idea of a farm is versus what's being asked of us from a food safety perspective um, means adapting how we all share this space together in real time. Very cool. Yeah, and it sounds like that reciprocal education is continuing even with your new employees and y'all and the farmer. Definitely. I think having employees def uh, and the number of questions that we get asked in a day about how you do a thing has, has forced us to get more and more precise with our food safety plan and, and what that looks like in practice. So if you were writing a food safety plan tonight and you asked yourself the question, who am I writing this for? How would you answer it? I want to always be putting my energy and attention into things that are actually usable, that aren't just gonna be typed up and then live in the Google Drive for the rest of their lives, never to be opened again, never to be thought about again, not just like a check mark on a long list of things that need to get done. And so this winter, when I have a chance to reflect on the season and the ideas that we came up with versus what actually happened in practice, I hope that whatever I write is something that is usable, is understandable for anybody that might open it on their team. And, and how do I build that language in a way that invites people into wanting to participate in that rather than feeling like it's a, a punitive action or something that um, they're scared of messing up? How do I change that language into something that feels like we want to be moving towards rather than fear and moving away from. Because I think so, a lot of the language that I see in food safety is from a very, um, something I kind of like to call like a liability culture of like, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to have something bad happen. And how do I move away from that? And while that can be very true, how I also, don't really like to live my life there of just moving away from what I don't want. I want to know what I'm moving towards. And while that might sound like cheesy and silly to apply to food safety, I think that like what you apply somewhere in your life can be applied everywhere. And, and I think that that is also true in this space. Are there books, podcasts, people that have helped influence this way of thinking 
anything you'd like to share with other farmers? I mean, I learned so much from my farm partner, Elizabeth. I think getting to be in relationship and life with her has definitely been one of the, the biggest guiding posts of, of how we just get to think about and interact with how we're building a business. I think someone we've learned a lot from is Adrienne Marie Brown and a lot of the um, activists that she's in relationship with. I think that um, we have many beautiful farm friends locally that we get to be in conversation with more so in the winter than in the summer. And having like a deep cohort of folks that are doing beautiful work is definitely a big part of getting to see things in a more interesting way. Learning from our community here and what it takes to have a, a business that survives in a rural place that can be challenging has been another piece of that puzzle. Bell hooks has been another huge one. You know, like how do you embody love and what, what does that mean? And um, yeah, there's just, there's so many teachers out there from so many different sectors and how do we see all of the internodes of how they're connected and how to cross apply ideas, I think is always a fun, fun thing to play with. Well, thank you. My, my last question, you have kind of already touched on it, but will you just tell us again, what, what is your goal for farming? What's your goal for being out there on the farm? I think at the end of the day for us, it's about meeting people's basic needs and that that can be a really radical act. Um, just making sure that people are fed. And uh, I know for myself that when I'm doing work that I know is actively working towards the world that I want to be a part of, it feels a lot less like work and a lot more like play. And, and that feels like something that I'd like to be able to embody in how I spend my precious, precious time on this planet. <laughs> and um, yeah, what does it look like to be part of and build community in a place? And um, I think that we're learning a lot by getting to, to adapt to what's being asked of us and where we are. And now let's hear from our next farmer, Julia Asherman of Riding Fast Farm. We'll start with some quote unquote softballs, Julia. <laughs> so if you'll tell us your name, the name of your farm and where you farm. My name is Julia Asherman. My farm is Ragenfrass Farm, and I am a vegetable farmer in central Georgia, in Jeffersonville, Georgia. We grow everything but corn. So peppers, tomatoes, greens, melons, um, sweet potatoes, pumpkin, and cut flowers as well. And where do you sell your vegetables? I'm mostly a market direct market farmer. So we sell at two markets, two physical farmers markets a week. We have an online store, which has pickups at those two markets, as well as on the farm. And we do a home delivery route. And then we do just a little bit of selling to restaurants. Very cool. So I think we will just start asking you about the employee manual. And I think the big question is, why did you write an employee manual? Um, I wrote an employee manual because, well, we have a lot of seasonal workers, so we have a pretty regular turnover. Um, and so there's really a period of training every single year, whether it's one person or several people. 
Um, and it's just, it just made life so much easier to think about all of the things that we need to say and say them up front. And our manual is really part of the hiring process too, because we, we really like to spell out the expectations and what a season is going to look like and sort of the pacing of it so that when people apply, they're as informed about what it's going to be like as they can be. So it's, and it's really, we've only had it for a year and a half now, so, or maybe a year. So it's an evolving document, but it hasn't, uh, it's not complete in that sense. I think we'll be adding more as time goes on. Do you think your employee manual will ever be complete or do you think it will always be evolving? It probably will never be complete and always evolving, but the good news is that by doing such a comprehensive initial manual, I think we'll have to just tweak it a little bit every year and maybe add um, content as we develop that on our own. But I think the bulk of the work is done now that we've got that good start. You had mentioned that there's expectations laid out in the employee manual. What, what do you mean by that, expectations? So many of the people that have come to work for, for us have no farming experience or very little, and it's spread out around the country. So not many of them have experienced such a physical outdoor job in the deep South where it's extremely hot. I mean, some of the stuff is obvious, like being on time and like not stealing from the cash box and like wearing shoes when you're working with tools and like really basic common sense workplace uh, basics, but then some of it really has to do with the specifics of our operation, the harvest schedule, the, the way we work with the weather and the heat. So we definitely take a two-part day for a majority of the summer with a really long siesta in the heat of the day. And that's for our comfort, but also for our safety. But that's something that people have to get used to and know to expect. So there's a lot of like specific specific things to our operation in there. That's kind of funny to me that you said they're obvious, but you still have to write them down. So what, like, is that just something you've learned over time that maybe what's obvious to you is not obvious to everybody else? Yeah, and, and there were a lot of hard earned lessons in managing people over the years at the things that you think you shouldn't have to say, but unfortunately you, you not only have to say, but maybe you even need to put in writing things about not showing up to work high and trying to drive a farm vehicle or um, being nice to the pets or the fact that we have a lot of pets. So many things, I mean, punctuality even, which you would think that most adults know um, that like being on time to their job is like a core part of it. But uh, sometimes you just need to say, say it out loud. And I think that also really helps to filter out people who you don't necessarily want to employ. Right. Because people will be like, well, it's a farm. Like, <laughs> I thought this was a laid back, cool uh, yeah. job. Yeah. Our manual makes it really clear that we're not that laid back. Even though maybe we are more laid back than the manual says, I would rather people come into the experience a little bit more intense than we are. Because again, I think that really filters out people who are looking for something that's romantic and who think it's going to be a really like casual, casually paced activity. So 
clearly you're a serious farmer, but I also know from experience that you're a fun farmer. Were you able to get that serious fun tone in the employee manual or is it just straight up serious? I, I think so. I honestly haven't, I probably need to reread it again. And I had a lot of input from farmers I know, farming mentors, past employees, my sister. So there were a lot of eyes that looked at it um, and, and confirmed that it gave the right balance of like seriousness and fun. But I mean, in the past, my farm like descriptions and the, the like job posting would be more fun sounding and we, it didn't produce good results. So I definitely was airing a little bit more on the serious side for this and it produced great results. I think those results you're talking about are, are the folks that y'all hired. And earlier you mentioned that the employee manual is part of the hiring process. Can you just talk a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, so it's actually, the, the handbook is on the internet available for, for really anyone to read, which is a little bit scary, but part of our application, which is also online. So now we have an application form that people fill out. And one of the initial questions uh, is like, did you read the handbook? And then at the end of that application, they are invited to ask us some questions. And you can really tell by the questions that people ask if they read the handbook or not. And I mean, it's a 19 page handbook. Um, so I think some people might not even read it and might just decide I don't even want to apply. And, and my thinking is if you don't want to read this, you probably, we probably don't want to hire you. Um, so just by having that initial barrier of something that people have to do to apply and then being able to tell by that application if they if they're fully informed about what they're getting into and also if they're excited at the end of reading that is really telling it's really helped us. i mean we get much we get a higher percent of really great applicants and i feel a lot more secure that they're on the same page when they're applying uh julia i think you said it's a 19 page document so did you knock that out in a night over nine months How, you want to talk a little bit just about the process well, it's something I will say that I had on my list of things to do for several years before I did it. Um, and I can totally relate to, to the stories of farmers writing food safety plans and quitting and trying again and quitting because it is frustrating and it's really daunting. I finally made it a priority and drafted it over a couple months and then edited it with the help of farmer friends and peers and and that probably took a couple weeks so I mean it was a long the writing and drafting and editing process was a long time and the emotional thought process of what might go in there also was kind of years in the making. I feel like it could be a vulnerable space to write an employee manual in a lot of ways. It is because it's, it feels a lot like you're saying no over and over, like, don't, this is what, you know, it, it feels very hard assed and it, it is vulnerable because you have to think about all of your past managing experiences and your past employees, good and bad in drafting it and what you want it to say. I mean, it also is really a soul searching time. Like in writing that, I felt it really helped me identify like what was the point of 
what I was doing and what's the point of other people doing it with me. And it, it felt really good and, and like clarifying in that way, because after farming for 10 years, you sort of sometimes forget those core beliefs and missions and having to really clarify it and put it on paper and digest it is, is really helpful. And it, it feels good to the farmer, I think. Julia, I'm wondering, as you were writing the manual, it's a kind of a way of, you know, laying out your expectations for the employees, but also maybe holding yourself and your farm accountable too. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, um, that's a really good point. I mean, there's a lot more in this document than just what we expect of workers. It's also about our mission and our philosophy, who we are as the like farm owners and residents. For me, it was really important to talk about the history of land occupation and oppression and how that's woven into the to the place we are and the land we're on. And I think, I mean, I think it also came out of a realization that it's not entirely fair to have expectations of a crew and not have taken the time to really understand what they are for yourself and also express that. So it felt a lot more like I was setting people up for success by being really clear. And that up to that point, I hadn't always maybe set people up for success because I didn't, I wasn't clear or I didn't even really know how I felt about certain things. So in a way, creating policy made it easier for me to rely on a, on a policy as well and have standards and expectations that I can go back to and reread and so I definitely feel like there's an accountability, a personal accountability woven into that. You had mentioned that the handbook is available online for anyone to see. Is that is that part of like your philosophy to have it open source for other farm owners or farm managers to have access to as well? I haven't thought about it that way, but I guess it's out there <laughs> and probably some people are going to read it now. It really just felt practical instead of having like once we make like the application is there and we make it live when we are hiring and so rather than having to email this document to applicants have them ask and then have to like reply and give it to them just being like here is the information felt like a lot less steps but yeah i mean i do think that now it's out there and i actually was also um, able to benefit from another farmer friend of mine who let me, several farmer friends actually, who let me look at their handbooks and manuals. And so I definitely borrowed ideas from others. And so I, in a way, I think it makes sense to have these things floating around for farmers to look at. I'm curious how, how do you kind of get the values, the unique values or the unique perspectives of your farm across to someone who's farming for the first time who are where everything is new to them? I think some of that comes in the some of that comes in the description of our farm and how we give a farm history. We give like short bios of me and my partner. I think some of that comes across just in it being written in my voice. And then I think the way our farm developed over time is so unique and sort of specific to to me and what I wanted to do that I I think it just comes across but I don't know I mean I don't really know actually I haven't asked that question enough to to employees of whether or not 
they got an accurate feeling or vibe, but I think they did. Can you share how your farm came to be, that story? Yeah, I mean, I, so I, when I was 22 and right out of college with no farm experience, just gardening, home gardening experience, um, moved from Chicago where I was going to school to Georgia because I found this sort of random land opportunity through a friend of a friend. And so I was just like a tenant farmer with no lease agreement on this previously derelict property in rural central Georgia for several years, trialing, trial and erroring my way into a, a farm. Um, and eventually that lack of lease agreement was not a great thing and I was evicted and I relocated to a different part of Georgia to work on a larger farm and realized during that time that I really did want to have my own farm and that I at that point was ready to manage my own operation and I just I think I just decided that I was either going to have my own farm or I was going to leave farming entirely and go back to art which was what I was doing before and I found this land on Craigslist and did a lot of research about FSA loans and started a really long purchase process. And four years later, I was able to buy it. And that was four or five years ago. So, but it was, it, the property is very, it was very derelict, um, extreme fixer upper status, which for me kind of appealed to me. It made it affordable, but it also made it like exciting and inspiring. And I find myself like going for things that need a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So I think the farm looks, it's like evolved a little bit, but it is also still kind of scrappy and DIY and a really slow evolution with a lot of like strange repurposing. I'm curious um, what expectations you hold for yourself in the farm? I expect communication. I expect myself to communicate with um, everyone who's working here. And I, I like to work as hard or harder than anyone else who's working here. I like to make sure that I'm fully participating as much as possible. I think about what's good for the land a lot and really want to as much as possible, make sure my practices are contributing to the sustainability that I think needs to happen and be a core part of existence. I feel an obligation to, to rural people in general, partially because I grew up in the city and had not really ever understood or related to, to a rural um, culture, but I definitely feel an obligation to rural people and rural people in the deep south specifically and I recognize like a huge amount of access barriers for the rural farmers especially the rural sustainable farmers in this area I will say I don't think I ever got into farming because I was a people person or because I am good at or enjoy managing so it's I mean that's a difficult part of my job and I think I am trying to always be the best at that, that I can be and balance my needs and what I think the needs of the farm are with the needs of the other people on the farm and the people relying on the farm for employment. 
Billy, do you have any other questions? Uh, just, just one last one. I mean, thank you. I've actually never heard you tell the story about your farm. I've known you for like 10 years. Uh, I think the biggest pushback we'll get about writing an employee manual is that it just takes time. So the time you were spending was time you weren't spending seeding or harvesting. Will you just talk a little bit more about how, I don't know if justified is the right choice, but how you justify that, that cost, that time cost to write it? Yeah, I mean, I've just, as the farm has grown, I've realized, I mean, the farm has grown. So from the time when I started, when I was able to do it essentially by myself to now where we need four or five full-time people um, contributing to get it all done. I mean, we just rely on, the, on people a lot to do the work. And that was not something I always knew would be the case or expected, but it's definitely true and more and more true. So those are the most important part of the farm. And I mean, the people are the most important part and they make or break the season, really. A great crew makes farming so enjoyable and so much easier and a not great crew or even one person who's not great on a crew makes it heavy and burdensome and draining. So to me, taking the step and, and really taking the time and effort of figuring out how to, how to find and select and attract the right people who are the right fit and how to set them up for success and let them also self-select to be a part of this instead of me just selecting them, they get to select me and the farm has just made, it's just been the most important beneficial thing I've done for the farm really at this stage. And it's made the hiring and training process so much easier and it's made it feel um, just feel a lot better. I think for me, but also for whoever is coming on that's new to have a sense of security that we're like a little, we know we're a little bit on the same page. Um, and that's like a relieving feeling at the beginning of a season where it can be pretty like intense, um, intense amounts of work, but also an intense like immersion experience for people who haven't farmed before. Perfect, thank you. I think, I think that's it. Thanks for joining us. Please take some time to explore the Young Farmer's Guide to Writing a Food Safety Plan and some of our favorite resources in the Produce Safety Library located on the Young Farmers website, youngfarmers.org. And reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Our email is services at youngfarmers.org. Thanks for joining us.